We are busy um, in this series studying the book of Jonah. Uh, before I start, it's important for me, I think, to mention that I'm from the free state. <laughs> I was waiting for some cheers. Here we go. Well, that's very half-hearted. But I'm proudly Western Cape now. I love the Eastern Cape. I grew up in Gauteng. Um, I don't know why I'm saying that. Um, but we're in the book of Jonah. It's been an incredible few weeks, don't you agree? Just hearing the heart of God for His people, looking at our own hearts and how often we don't respond to what God has for us. And uh, we're concluding today on what I believe will be a highlight for us on this journey. It's sad that it's school holidays and so many people are missing out on this. And I really hope that they would make the effort uh, to go and listen to this concluding message on this study of this book. Jonah is all about the heart of God for people. It's all about the God of second chances. It's all about how God wanted to reveal to the world that he loves people, regardless of who they are, where they're from, and what they've done. It's an incredible story. It's amazing to be reminded again this morning that other than the other prophets, to the nation of Israel, Jonah was the only prophet called to prophesy and bring a word of repentance to another nation. And it reveals to us, and we see it throughout Scripture, even right in the beginning, when God told Adam and Eve to multiply and fill the earth, that God has got a heart for all peoples and for the whole world. And then this amazing story that we've been discovering of how Jonah disagreed with that heartbeat of God for all people. Luckily for him, he repented, and he fulfilled the call of God in his life, and last week, Dave did a phenomenal job to share with us, and very personally, out of his own journey as well, what a beautiful message that God loves, even the worst. And this morning, we're going to conclude in the last chapter of the book of Jonah. So if you've got your Bible, it will be up on the screen as well. You can follow me as I read through it. I'm going to start in the last verse of chapter 3 to set us up for chapter four. I'm reading from the ESV version. Let's open the word and read together. When God saw what they did, how they turned from the evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this, not, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what became of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came upon the next day, God appointed a, wor a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. 
When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished, perished in a night? And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? Lord Jesus, we pray this morning that we would have a fresh, and I really, I really ask this, Lord, a newfound understanding of your heart for people. Forgive us for the times, Lord, where we've neglected to ask for this. Forgive us for the times, Lord, where we are so caught up in our own existence and this world that we don't have a heart for other people. Where we sit like Jonah in our own comfort and sometimes angrily so, not leaning to your heart. I pray, Lord, that you would wash us with your word this morning, that there would be a cleansing of our own hearts as we study this passage and that we would be a people who leave here with a compassion that only comes from you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts through your word and that you would use me in any way that you want to. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. What a story. This Jonah guy is just incredible. We went to Ritanga Junction on Friday as a family. Alika always wanted to go, and she's at the age now where she can ride the cobra, or maybe the, the height rather than the age, because she's quite tall. Uh, we did the measurement, and she just made it. And it's up and down, and you get bummed this way and that way. And I thought about Jonah. What, an, what a roller coaster guy. He's the prophet of God. He's doing the work of God. The next moment he says, no, thank you, Lord. I'm gonna head out that way. Then he goes down into his disobedience into the belly of the great fish. And he says, God, I wanna come up again. Please forgive me. I cry out to you. I repent. And he was brought up again. And God said, Jonah, I want you to do a work for me again. And here he goes at the height of his life and he brings the prophetic word that God has given to the city of Nineveh and then he goes down again. And so much so that after God said the final word in chapter four, we don't hear about Jonah again. Up and down. And I thought about my own life. Isn't that how we often live life with God? There's these peak moments that says, thank you, Jesus. And then next month, I just, I, I ain't feeling it. I'm not gonna go to church. I'm not gonna attend life group. I just one a little bit, just me, you know, just, just I. Where I really believe, if we study some of the others in the Bible, that, that we should be in a place with God where we are constantly walking and living with Him. The Bible says, in Him, we live and move and have our being. And I don't wanna be like Jonah, 
who goes on this roller coaster journey. I call me, I'm calling my message this morning, Hearts on Display. In this final grand finale of the book of Jonah, we see the hearts of the Ninevites, we see the heart of Jonah, and we see the heart of God towards people. And this morning, I really believe that the, the Spirit of God is going to bring a mirror to our hearts so that we can look at our hearts and say, God, do I have the heart that you intended for me to have of compassion and care? It's a story of our inner parts, the story of, God, what is it in me that you want to change so that I can live in accordance to the call and the purposes that you have for me? Three thoughts come out of this passage. It's a story of conviction. It's a story of comfort. And it's a story of compassion. The conviction that these Ninevites had when the word of God came to them, their hearts were cut and they were convicted of their unrighteousness and their rebellion. The story of comfort. How Jonah from the very start just wanted to be very comfortable in his homeland, didn't want to leave it. Eventually, in his sin, being comfortable, sleeping at the bottom of the boat. And then he repented and he said, okay, God, thanks for the second chance, I'll do it. And then at the end of the story, he just wanted to be comfortable under the booth. And he was greatly excited when God gave him a tree. And then the centerpiece of this message and the centerpiece of this entire story is the compassion of God's heart. So three hearts on display this morning. A heart of conviction, a heart of comfort, and a heart of compassion. I wanna talk about, firstly, Nineveh's convicted hearts. The Bible says so clearly that when this happened and this word came, and it's interesting, when we study the prophetic word, it never said repent. It just said God is gonna bring disaster. Hang in there, this city is gonna be destroyed. And they were so blown away by this message that they decided in their hearts, and we talked about this last week, that the king said, call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. A war-seeking, pleasure-seeking, rebellious city, hearing the word of God, I'm gonna destroy you, and in their hearts, they are cut, and they say, God, please, we want to turn from our sin. We recognize that you are an almighty God, and they fasted. They probably epitomized the seven deadly sins in that city. Everything that is the worst you can think of multiplied at times 100, and that was the city of Nineveh. Now, I was thinking about it this week. How do I kind of explain Nineveh to you? And I, I was reminded of a, of a poster of a movie I'm just gonna add a clause here. If you like this movie, it's up to you. I haven't seen it. I'm not judging the movie. Don't wanna get emails and saying, up oh, here you go, Zanzi, that's a terrible movie. But when I saw this poster, I was a little bit shocked and I, it looked quite evil to me. So this is Suicide Squad. Anyone seen this? Time to repent. I'm just joking. <laughs> it's all up there, but it's almost like just the ugliness of it. The, the darkness in it, there's, there's some evil vibes here with a half moon and a, a bokop and there's magic and there's blood and there's skeletons. And, and I remember when I saw this movie, I was thinking, 
I'm not sure I wanna see that, the name in itself. So this week I thought about this poster and what it did in my heart when I saw it, like, you know what, I'm not interested. Just generally, I don't like superhero movies. The other night, Eliana desperately wanted to see Wonder Woman. So I was a good husband and said, yes. 30 minutes in, I was fast asleep. And she was um, telling me all the deep lessons she learned the next day, which is good, very deep lessons. Um, but superhero movies just ain't for me. Uh, it always starts with a little boy, or now the little girl grows up and the story, and then they become the hero, and then there's a villain, and the villain changes and becomes more evil every time, and every time they win. It's just the same story, dressed differently. So I, I, it's just not my, my cup of tea. So I don't know, this is apparently a story about superheroes, but I saw this, the, the headline for it is Worst Heroes Ever. And I thought about Assyria and the city of Nineveh. Probably that was exactly what they were. These men, seemingly heroes, fighting, killing, taking land, but they were the worst ever. This great city filled with the worst ever. And they said, you know what? The word of God has come. And we're gonna change. We're not gonna be suicide squad anymore. We're gonna be life squad. Whatever they changed it to. But what God has literally done with none of us, he said, all of this, I'm gonna cover up. I'm gonna wash you as a city whiter than snow. My blood is gonna come and cleanse you. All of your evil, all of this darkness I'm taking away. But I love you so much that the day you killed 300 men and was proud of it, I forgive that. That time when you took innocent women and you used them for your own pleasure, I come and I wash it clean. My blood washes all of this away because I'm a compassionate God. And this is the heart of the Father. We through the cross, he says, I am washing you clean completely. Isn't this a beautiful image? The heart that God had for this worst city ever out there cleaning it all. I'm gonna clean the whole thing. So that nothing remains. This is, this is what God does even with the worst sin in the world. I asked Anita this morning if I can share this. I was reminded of a story she shared with me where she and Paul has been working with uh, sex trafficking victims in Asia over the past 10 years. And um, she reaches out especially to the victims and the one day she felt led by the Spirit of God to buy soft toys to give to the girls in Indonesia on the streets. And uh, she bought all the soft toys that she could afford that she had cash for in a big bag and she went and she had 
access to these girls, the pimps actually allowed her to minister to them. And she just gave them soft toys, almost like a restoration of innocence, a washing clean of all that filth. And she said the next moment something happened that, that completely shook her. When the pimps saw the soft toys, men, and they got it from the girls and they started fighting over it so that they can have a soft toy and hold on to it, crying. And God showed to her in that moment those pimps' brokenness, that it goes back to little boys who was made filth of years back. And because of that brokenness, they now do the work that they do. And it changed my perspective of, of probably the most unlovable people on this earth, that God loves them dearly, and he's willing to do the same for them. Yet we see in Jonah's life, in the self-righteous living as the prophet of God, that he didn't want to love what is seemingly unlovable in this world. But God has done a complete work, and here's the amazing thing. Look at the words of Jesus in the Gospels, where he says, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is saying that on his return, all of Nineveh will rise up forgiven, washed clean, going into the eternal celebration of heaven with him. Isn't that amazing? That he's completely washed them whiter than snow. Because in their hearts, they were convicted of their filth. And they said, God, whatever it takes, we will repent. Heaven welcomes the brokenness and repentance of the unrighteous, but resists the haughty hearts of the self-righteous. Luke 15 says that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner and one unrighteous man repents. And it rejoices more than it rejoices about the 99 who doesn't need repentance. So if we wanna see heaven come to this earth, and we want to see the party that is up in heaven of rejoicing. We better seek out the Ninevites amongst us and share the love of God with them. Because then we will experience joy on earth completely. The party in heaven is about the sinners getting saved. Not about the righteous just getting more of God and more of his presence. It is about us taking that to the world and loving the seemingly unlovable out there with the love of God. I read a book once called the Great Intruder by J James Edwards. And he said it's more difficult to convert a self-righteous man than an unrighteous man. And this brings me to my next point, is Jonah's comfortable heart. How he was in this position of self-righteousness. Saying, God, they do not deserve that grace that you have extended. So just imagine for me from, with me for a minute. He shares the word, and he probably shared the word thinking, you guys are gonna get it. A Couple of days from now, you're gonna be destroyed. That's what he thought he did. Saying, you are gonna die. God has said, done with you, dealing with you, 
And the next moment he see this whole city on their knees before God. And he goes and he sits outside the city and waits to see if God is gonna fulfill the prophetic word of disaster. And he waits and he waits and he waits and God relented. And then he gets angry with God. The Bible said exceedingly angry. Not just a little bit like, oh, don't like that. He got upset. Again, disagreement with God, right back down his roller coaster, right to the bottom. Saying, God, this is the very reason I didn't want to come and tell them about you and your love, because I knew that they're going to repent. Wait a minute, Jonah, are you going to now stand in your self-righteousness? Are you going to get to a place where you see the compassionate heart of the Father? Yes, and this cut me to the core this week. How many times I just don't want to, because I don't think that person deserves the message that I'm carrying. This is the very Christian life. This is the very and most offensive part of the gospel is that Jesus will take the worst sinner, the guy next to him on the cross, the next moment that guy died, he woke up with Jesus in paradise. The prodigal son who returned, the one sheep who's gone astray, Jesus goes and seek and save them. And we have a choice. Will we be part of this mission or will we just sit around and enjoy this just for ourselves? God then sends this plant. So Jonah tried to build himself a booth to sit in his own shade, his own comfort. But then God showed again one more, once more to Jonah. And I, I think there God gave him another opportunity. He said, Jonah, you know what? I love you too. I'm gonna help you out of your discomfort. Let me give you something to protect you from the scorching sun and the winds. And there, overnight, a massive plant. The next morning, from exceedingly angry, Jonah goes exceedingly glad. Thank you. I'm a little bit comfortable again. I can breathe. He was happy for a minute. But at his heart, he was still the same. The next day, after God has changed him from his discomfort to comfort, God takes it away. And quite aggressively with a wind and a scorching and a worm. And then Jonah's upset that the plant has died. And God says something profound. You have compassion on a dead plant. And you tell me I can't have compassion on 120,000 people who I created. You didn't even make that plant. And you cry about that. How much more will I not cry about 120,000 that I made with my own hands in my image? who doesn't know the, their left hand from their right. And then we understand that in essence, Jonah's greatest battle through all of this was a battle of comfort. He didn't wanna leave his homeland and which he loved so much when God gave him a word for another nation that he said, I'm gonna flee from this. Then he found himself in a ship comfortable at the bottom saying, I'm happy and I'm okay here. As long as I don't have to do this, I'm comfortable. Then he experienced the discomfort of the fish, cries out to God, God saves him. He says, okay, I realize now that I can't run away. I'll do what he says, he does what he says. And then all he wants again is the comfort of the shade of the plant. And then I realized the opposing force to compassion is that of the comfort of our own hearts. Where we are too scared to say, God, I'll let the comforts that I so hold on to put aside so that I can be a compassionate individual 
to the lost people of the Ninevehs around me. Can you imagine what would have happened if Jonah said to God, and Dave asked this question last week, where to next? An entire city repented at eight words. If I was Jonah, I, I think I would have said, wow, how amazing. God, what next city, what other nation can I take these eight words to to see so many people come to salvation? Yet the only thing he was concerned about, again, was just being comfortable. And out of that comfort of his heart, his anger, his disagreement started taking root again. And then, amazingly, and most importantly, the centerfold of this whole thing is God's compassionate heart. Again, even though Jonah was upset with God, God was compassionate towards him, sending him a plant. Even though Jonah was sinking in his sin, God was compassionate towards him, sending him a, a big fish to swallow him up and save his life. Jonah didn't see this. This is what he missed. He missed understanding the compassion of our, earthly, of, of our heavenly father. He actually, in fact, wanted to go back and said, God, I don't agree with this. Let me show you again the terrible things that the Ninevites have done. And in his attempt to do that, he realized that it's a dealt work. How many times do we wanna go back when we've forgiven someone and say, God, but they did this. And God says, not in my eyes, they are forgiven. Out of our own efforts, we said, God, let us remind you of their things. And God said, no, I've washed them white as snow. You can try how many times you want. They are a forgiven people. Let us not be like Jonah, who goes back and oppose the compassion that God has for this world. Let us be like our Father in heaven. Jesus, when he saw the crowds, was moved with compassion. That means that he was a deep, incredible stirring to feel for the people that he saw. The word compassion means to suffer with. Passion means to suffer. Compassion means to suffer with. This week I had the opportunity to pray for a friend of mine, saved, loves Jesus. He's going through a difficult time. I put my hand on his shoulder and the next moment I started weeping like a baby. Very awkwardly and embarrassing so. Lord, I think that's how Jesus humbles us men sometimes when there's just tears. And I felt the compassion that God had for him in his struggle. And I just prayed for him. What's very interesting about Jonah is that he knew this. He even said it. Jonah 4 verse 2. You are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. And that made me stop and think, how much of the Christian walk do we know? How much do we carry in our hearts? Jonah knew that God is compassionate, but he didn't allow that to be what his heart is like. And this morning, we're putting our own hearts on display and saying, God, is all of this just head knowledge? Is all of this just an understanding and I'm reading it and like, okay, yeah, I need to be compassionate. I have my coffee, I get in my car and I don't care for the dying world out there. 
Or will we allow the Spirit of God this morning to move upon us with compassion for a lost generation? I love the words that God used. 120,000 people who don't know their left hand from their right. Speaks about the confusion that that city was in. And when I look around to this world, it's all I see. People who doesn't know their left hand from their right. Who just needs someone to come and say, hey, let me help you take the right next step. Can I pray for you? Can I go on my knees with you and cry out to Jesus? Because he's very ready to come and clean you of the filth that you've been living in. This story ends as everyone's story will end. That Jesus always has the final word. The very last dialogue in the book of Jonah is the words of God. We didn't hear from Jonah again. The cross of Jesus has the final word in my life and in everyone's life out there. I don't have it. I've tried to have the final word in my life and it's humbled me and it's led me to a place of surrendering and saying, God, you and you alone. And the question to all of our hearts this morning is, will we love? Will we be a church who puts aside the comforts that we hold on to and become uncomfortable to go and give a hug to that person where you just like, I don't feel this now. Or that lifestyle that you look at, you're like, can't engage with that. And the reason we did this this morning is I'm trusting God for a drift and a shift to happen where these two things come closer and closer and closer. The names that we've been crying out to God for for years, where our hearts cry is God that these names will be taken out of the kingdom of darkness and because of your cross be placed in the kingdom of light. The only way this is about to happen is if we, the church, have the compassionate heart of the Father in us for every single person out there. And my final question to you again this morning is will you love with the love of the Father to this broken world? I'm ready to say, God, Yes, I want to. And I'm hoping that you would join in with me this morning and saying, God, we want to. We want to see these two sides come closer and closer and closer until all of these names are washed as white as snow and you take all this sin away and they are followers of Jesus Christ made righteous in his image. Lord Jesus, we pray this morning where this story ends of a man who fought this battle with you, Lord. Even to the end. But we don't know how it really ended for Jonah. We won't know while we're still on this earth. But we have an opportunity to say, God, we want to choose how it ends for us. Thank you, Lord, that you've led us from a place of our own brokenness and convicted hearts and our own sin through this past weeks of looking at the scripture where we said, God, sorry for our disobedience. Sorry for running away from you. Lord, let us be a people now, Lord, who put aside 
our comforts and become discomfortable for the sake of your kingdom in reaching the brokenness of other people with your story of love. And God, let our fuel be the compassionate heart that we see in you. And this morning, Father, as this next song says, your cross has the final word. That is the final authority on the way we live. It is the final bottom line on this story is that there is a cross that takes away the sin of the world. Thank you, Lord Jesus.